Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Hey, and in this moment, I do, we have a guest speaker with us today. Uh, His name is Eric Smith. He has an interesting story about how God has moved in and through his life, and he's coming to us from Germany. But I won't get into too many details. I'll let him share. But would you help welcome Eric Smith to speak for us today? Good morning. Uh, today, I flew in last night from Oklahoma City and been on the road for the last two weeks, but I've been waiting to come back here to Napoleon. I was actually here about a year ago. We had a little mission network meeting, and so I saw, I saw a few faces, but forgive me if I don't remember all the names, but I'm excited to come back and got to spend a few minutes with your pastor, Pastor Ben. Thank you for inviting me, uh, just talking to you for just a few minutes uh, the synergy and you, the way you guys are thinking about mission and about uh, doing uh, the work of the church here in the city is inspiring. So I'm excited to get to spend some more time together. I hope that today, uh, my goal, my hope, my prayer is that we all leave a little more encouraged, a little more inspired, and a little bit more challenged, maybe, about how we can all participate in God's mission. So I want to actually start with a little bit of a, a challenging question, perhaps. I want to ask you, when you think of the word church, do you think of it more as a static, maybe place, maybe some kind of event that you come to on a Sunday morning? Or do you think of a people that follow Jesus together, that are invited on the greatest adventure that we could ever imagine to participate in renewing all things? Which one do we really believe in the core of our heart? Let me start just so you know a little bit about myself. Who am I? Who is this guy who's coming from Germany to speak to you, to share something? I don't know him. Never heard of him. I, um, this is me right here, a little picture of my, uh, of one bag and of course some golf clubs. So I I was actually born and raised in Germany, uh, uh, in, in the northern part Uh, I was born to a German-American mother, and at the age of 12, my mom had the big dream of going back to the smallest town on earth, Washington, Oklahoma. You may not know it, but uh, we went there. I grew up there for 13 years, so I lived in the States for 13 years. Ended up getting recruited by one of our Nazarene institutions, a a Southern Nazarene University, to play golf. And it was there that I started kind of questioning my faith. I started asking some tough questions and doubting because I started looking around and I was looking at the life of Jesus and I started wondering, what are we doing? I felt like I was just going to an event. I felt like I was just doing the thing, playing the game, but I had read about what Jesus was inviting me to and I just wasn't sure, is it it or not? And I wanted to know if this thing is real, and if it is, I want to give my whole life to it. My dream was actually uh, not to work in the church. If you would have asked me a few years ago, I could have never imagined working for a church, being a pastor. My big dream was to go to the FBI, uh, and uh, that was what I was pursuing. I studied finance at SNU, 
And during my time at SNU, I got to go to General Assembly, which just took place last weekend. And I saw a little table with a German flag. And that German flag had a little old lady standing next to it. She was probably about 80 years old, completely overwhelmed by my excitement about hearing about what's going on in Germany. And she said, there's a young pastor here. His name is Chris Zimmerman. You should meet him. And so all week, my mission became, find Chris. I got to know what's happening in Germany. I couldn't find him anywhere until the last day. We had coffee for an hour. And I was so inspired by the way he lived, being a pastor, by, he, by his vision of church. I went to Frankfurt, Germany. He was one of the two brothers that started Church in Action. And I went to Germany three weeks later to spend three days with him. And I was blown away. After that, I went back to SNU and I said, we got to take some summer trips. We're going all over the world with students. we got to go to Frankfurt. And that's kind of when they started wanting to recruit me. You know when you come to a place and the pastors kind of see, oh, you're a new guy. Come work with us. It, it goes fast. Some of you know that. And they tried to recruit me. They said, you're, you're German. You speak German. We need some young guys. Come back to Germany. And you know what my answer was? No. It was a little bit more, uh, I said some words before that, but it was a clear no. I'm never going back to Germany. I'll go anywhere but there. Well, I went on with my college career, ended up graduating, went and worked for an oil company. And about six months in, I had my, at the age of 25, I had my first midlife crisis, asking myself, what in the world am I doing here? The cubicle I was sitting in was for me like a prison. And what I think triggered it at the end of the day were some guys that had been there for 20, 30 years, good Christian men and women, and they hated their job. They came every day complaining, I don't want to be here, tried to get from one weekend to the next, and I said, this just can't be it. And I started praying one simple prayer. I said, God, where can you use me best for your kingdom? I know you can use me in many places, but where can you use me best? And you know, sometimes the way God works, shortly after I got a phone call, from SNU, this was spring of 2015. They said, hey, we're taking another trip to Frankfurt in May, and uh, the adult leader stepped back. Could you take the trip? We'll pay for it. I said, man, I get out of here, two weeks free trip, I'm, I'm in. I landed in Germany, in Frankfurt, in May of 2015, and I remember when the plan laid it, and when, when, when I got out of the plane, it hit me like a sack of rocks. I knew I had to go back to Germany. I came back to the U.S., I wrestled for about six weeks, I told nobody about it, not even my parents, and after about six weeks, I remember laying on the floor in my apartment at 1 a.m., and I opened up my email, and I sent Chris an email just in the headline, I said, I am coming. The next morning, I booked a one-way flight, the next day, I quit my job, the next day, I called my parents, in that order, <laughs> it's true. I had to sell my stuff. I sold my car. Some random person I had a $10,000 debt on my car. I didn't know how to do it. I said, God, if you want me to go, you've got to show up. Some random person paid my $10,000 debt on my car. And in fall of 2015, I landed in Frankfurt, Germany. And that's, the, that's that moment. It was on the way to the staff meeting straight from the airport when Chris picked me up that he looked at me and said, Eric, have you ever thought about being a pastor? My answer again? No, <laughs> no, I haven't. But you know what I said? I looked at him and I said, Chris, if being a pastor can look like anything what you're doing, then maybe I can. And so he just told me uh, there's a city called Darmstadt, Germany, 20 minutes south of Frankfurt. Student city, young, vibrant city. 
very international. He said, we just started some services in a coffee shop, and we're looking for a pastor. And I think you have some gifts in you that could make a great pastor. And so he said, just walk with me a few months, see what happens. It's been now eight years that I've been in Darmstadt, Germany, developing the work and planting churches. So I want to share a little bit about what Church in Action is and how it inspired me and how it may inspire you. So some of you may know, so Germany is in the very central part of Europe. We zoom in a little bit. This is an area called the Rhine-Main area. Uh, we are now in five cities in this area. The Rhine is a river, the Main is a river, and they outline this region. And some of you may know that uh, Germany and Europe have some of the most beautiful cathedrals in the world. They are over 1,000, 1,500 years old. You'll go in and you're just blown away by the architecture and the marvelous beauty. You go in on a Sunday and in a place where there's space for two, 3,000 seats, you'll have five people sitting in the front row because our churches are empty. We're some of the most secular places in the world or in Europe. People aren't waking up on a Sunday morning, surely not at 9 o'clock, to come to a service. They're empty. So, actually recently we did a, there was a study done in our region of 7 million people. How many people actually attend a local service or connected to a community? You know what the answer was? Of 7 million people, it was 0.3%. Around 3,000 people in our region are connected to a local community. That tells us that 99.7% are not. And the churches that exist, the few are often just inward focused, caring for the last few, often older people, until they pass on. So we started asking ourselves, we started questioning what, what is going on, how can we rethink, what do we have to do to reach people where they are? And so the Nazarene Church actually released uh, some, some leaders to rethink church in this context. And that's how Church in Action was birthed. We started reflecting deeply on the Lord's Prayer, and specifically on this part of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught us to pray, and you all know the words, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The word will here is actually the word telma in Greek, and it can be translated uh, as in wish or hope or dream. And so our vision statement became our dream is to see how heaven would break into our lives because it's personal, our city, and our world. We started asking ourselves, if heaven is the kingdom of God, then what is the kingdom of God about? It's the, 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 the space in which God reigns, the space in which there, are no, uh, there is no loneliness. There is no, uh, there is no oppression. There, is no, there are no children fleeing from war. There are no prostitutes who are forgotten and who are selling their bodies because they don't know what else to do. And we started asking ourselves, if people aren't coming to us, then what do we have to do? Then we have to go to them. And so the first couple of years of Church in Action, all that was done was meeting in a restaurant, bar kind of situation for two years without ever starting a service. We just built relationships, started social projects, had relationships, people started coming to faith actually and out of that we're now just over 10 years later in five cities building and trying to build God's kingdom 
So what is our focus? How do we actually practically live this out? We kind of have two main focuses. And this may be interesting to kind of think about and dream about what this could look like here. We focus, number one, on kingdom communities and, number two, on kingdom projects. Let me explain kingdom communities. So if people aren't coming to us, we're going to them. So we started worship services in public places. From the very beginning, we said we don't need a building. If, we, if people aren't coming, there's no need in putting a nice building together. But we said, where are people already at? In coffee shops, in elderly homes, in, in refugee camps. So we started going. We actually started opening two of our own coffee shops. This is one of them in Frankfurt. And we started just building relationships with people who are hanging out throughout the week. Because it's a space people know, they're comfortable there, they come and study there, they come and have their coffee. And then the barrier for them to actually show up to a sort of gathering on Sundays, look at this, they're coming. We started going into a movie theater because people go to a movie theater. People know what a movie theater is like. They know what the seats feel like. It's not them coming to our space. It's us entering theirs and learning about who they are and what they're thinking. One of my favorite places, this is one of our elderly homes. Even if across the street we built a nice building, they don't have enough staff or they don't have family. Uh, Germany is known for having so many elderly homes and so many what they call shut-ins that actually 80% of the people never leave the building. They don't have family to take them because they're too busy or they don't have enough staff because everything is understaffed. So we said, we'll go. So we offered to do a service. And this is actually a couple years ago, but now today we have 60 to 70 elderly people that are carted every morning and we go to their rooms and we bring them into this room and we celebrate communion together. Some of them fall asleep, so you kind of have to imagine how they're celebrating you when you're, you know, preaching. It'll humble you. <laughs> but I always imagine them dancing, the greatest dance inside of them, you know, as they're sleeping. So. But this is the place where I believe Jesus would show up. Jesus has not forgotten even those that we've often forgotten. One of my favorite places, this is in Darmstadt, before COVID. This is a rooftop restaurant. And we had services here for three years until it unfortunately closed. This is me speaking. And, and one story that kind of summarizes the beauty of what has often happened is that right here one day I was, uh, I was actually not preaching on the Sunday. I was introducing and welcoming, kind of like Justin did earlier. And I saw a guy come in the back during, we were already 10 minutes into the service. I, I saw he had tears in his eyes. And I thought, oh, that's awkward. That's kind of weird. You usually don't walk into a restaurant and start crying. The food isn't that good. But he was crying, and I saw him, and I went back right after I was finished, and I tried to go after him. He went out onto the rooftop area. And I went up to him, and I said, hey, I'm Pastor Eric. What's your name? What are you doing here? And he just looked at me crying, and he said, man, three months ago, I separated my wife of 20 years. It's just been the toughest time of my life and the last few months I've literally felt like God has abandoned me I, I pray I reach out but I feel like he has completely left me and so this morning my daughter and I his daughter was with him said we were just googling bars and restaurants in in the city and this one came up so we just decided to come get a drink and he said when I walked in I heard God's voice so clear he said son I've never left you and he was so overwhelmed that he went into a bar because he never had expected to meet God in this place. I had mentioned at the beginning 
that we're, we're having baptism uh, coming up, and, and he shared with me he had been in a kind of church. Uh, he come, came from a different culture background and said, I've been wanting to be baptized for over 20 years, but they've told me over and over that I'm not good enough, that I need to get my life in order. And <laughs> I got to share with them that, hey, man, the baptism is the beginning of the journey. It's not the end. Five weeks later, I baptized him. At that service, he introduced a woman to me, and I thought, man, that went quick. Got a new one already. He actually pulled me to the side and he said, Eric, I want to introduce you to my wife. We've reconciled our relationship. And he said, you know, her story is similar to mine and, and she would actually like to, because we asked, you know, does anybody else want to step in the water today? And she said, I would like to do it today. So on that day, I, I baptized her as well. And their lives have been forever transformed because we were in a place that no one expected. The second Part of kingdom communities is communities on mission. So we actually do in Darmstadt and in, in many of our cities at Church in Action, we actually kind of foster a missional rhythm. We have worship gatherings in public places every two weeks. And on the other two Sundays, we do something called Mission Sunday, where we do creative events in the city. And something that kind of reflects that rhythm is our small groups. We call them communities on mission. We meet every two weeks for Bible study and, and, and prayer in someone's home. And the other two weeks, each group has a specific mission in the city. A specific project. And that kind of opens the doors for non-Christians and people that wouldn't come to a Bible study or wouldn't come to a service to join a community. Because even through COVID, what we learn more than anything is people are searching for community and people are searching for purpose. And what this really meets is it meets the opportunity to have and experience community and to be on mission and have purpose together. So some examples. We actually, as I'm speaking right now, our community in Darmstadt is in our local elderly home doing something called Granny's Coffee. We do it on a regular basis. We, it's very simple. Coffee and cake. A few weeks ago, I was there. We played bingo. I was the bingo announcer. It's the fun of my life. But we just go and we just hang out with people. We try to remind them that they're not forgotten. We try to listen to them because they have so much wisdom to give. And it gives them just a moment of heaven on earth, of the kingdom of God breaking in, in their lives. Some of you know, and I'll share a bit about that here in a minute, that uh, Germany has received millions, uh, over a million alone in 2015, refugees. And so we started asking, uh, you know, there's many political questions, but all we know is there's people in front of us that are in need, and the church should show up and be there. And so with World Vision together, we actually took a van, we uh, changed it up a bit with uh, games that helped them work through trauma and learn German, we started going into refugee camps because they sure aren't coming to us. So refugee camps started opening the doors and we went in and we just created a space for kids to play because we believe in the kingdom of God. Kids get to be kids. And we built relationships with the parents through coffee and tea stations. We started meeting refugees in their homes. One of our communities on mission is a communal mission for women. And every two weeks, they go visit refugee women from Afghanistan, from Syria, in homes in Darmstadt, and hang out with them, eat with them. You know, it often takes just introducing yourself until they say, hey, will you come over to eat with us? And they'll just prepare the greatest meal you've ever seen. It's that simple. And that's what it often looks like when we just hang out at their homes. That's the first thing. The second thing, so kingdom, communities, and kingdom projects. This is something that's been very exciting, trying to entrepreneurial think about how can we transform the city. Number one, I already mentioned, we opened some of our own coffee shops. Uh, it's a, 
means to an end for us. It's not to make money. It is to create a space in the city that we can actually have influence. You know, our people that work behind the bar are not there to just sell coffee. They go in and have conversations. They learn the people's names. These people would never come into our church building. But they will have conversations and share about their tough marriage or about how university has been tough and I have to write this paper and I just don't know or my dad just passed away or whatever. It happens in this space. I mentioned prostitutes earlier. Frankfurt is one of the hubs in the world for prostitution. We have one of the most prominent and greatest red light districts in the world. It's legal in Germany. And when we walked those streets, we said, you know, this is a dark place, but we shouldn't retrieve from here. We should actually go there. If Jesus were to walk the streets of Frankfurt, this is where he'd be. So we started Camusa Mission where the girls on those teams actually go in with baked goods, with Bible verses, and they go actually meet these women. They talk with them. They're open and, and hospitable. And we pray, often pray with them. We just recently opened a drop-in center in Frankfurt, a space where women can come. Only women can come. They can find clothes. They can find food. They can, sometimes they just come on the couch and rest and sleep because they feel that's the only safe space. We get to pray with them, and we actually have opportunities with safe houses to get them out if they want to. We do counseling, and we do consultation. A lot of them don't have insurance. They don't know the system because many are brought from Eastern Europe, lured by the promise of a job, only to find themselves caught in human trafficking. We're seeing that women are coming out of prostitution because the church is where it should be. And I'll kind of end with a focus on this. Part of our projects, and we've done quite a bit um, since 2015, uh, refugees have flooded our country. You've seen some of the pictures in the media. This is actually Ukraine a year ago. Thousands of refugees have come to Germany now. The Nazarene Church and we have been on the border recently. We've, we've been receiving families. And we asked ourselves the question, you know, if you think back, it's interesting that for decades, the church in the West has tried to send missionaries to some of the hardest places in the world, in the Mid Middle East, in Northeast Africa. Guess what? Those people are now in our neighborhood. So what a missed opportunity to close our eyes to that. Instead of asking ourselves, man, how can we be good neighbors? How can we be, be the hands and feet of Jesus to the most vulnerable? And you know what happens when, when the church does that? And this is all God's doing. Over the last several years, we've baptized over 400 refugees. People from very conservative Muslim backgrounds, experiencing the love of Jesus in very practical ways, are coming to faith in Christ. More and more started coming with the Ukraine war in the last year. And so we actually in Darmstadt started asking ourselves, um, you know, what could it look like to have a sort of a hub center, a ministry center in our city where we can scale serving refugees? It's one of the largest populations in our city. They're so open and seeking for hope. And so about a year ago, actually, when I was here, uh, the last time during the Missions Network meeting, the war had just broken out and we just had the first ideas and dreams of what could this look like to scale our work. Well, since then, 
And in part, actually, of the giving that happened on that trip, I was able to hire a passionate Jesus follower of a social worker who was with us full time. And we actually opened this December, so about six months ago, we opened a brand new, called the Tapestry Center and the Tapestry Project that is serving refugees in our city. We're just now developing the first kind of uh, things that we offer, and this is some of the things that have happened. We had a family from Ukraine come, and one of the mothers, she's an atheist, she came to us and said, hey, I was a teacher in, in Ukraine, and we celebrate Christmas culturally, but I would love to offer something for the women here. So we said, hey, we'd love to empower you. We don't want to just do stuff for you. We, we want to empower you to participate. And so she actually helped us put on a Christmas party for women and children in our center. It was the very first thing that happened. We just did a story with her asking her how the center has impacted her life. You know what she said as an atheist? Still, for now. She said, in my darkest time, the church was there. Think about that statement. In my darkest time, the church was there. For me, there's no greater compliment, there's no greater fulfillment than to know that someone like her experienced that in her darkest time, it was the church that showed up. She's actually now, she's been coming to our worship gathering, she's been a part of our community, and so I know that God is doing amazing work in her. Uh, we offer consultation, we help people with paperwork. You know, imagine going to a different country. You don't know the language, you don't know the system. You have no idea where to start. And so one of the greatest expressions of hope and of love is that we can sit with them, hear their stories, and help them actually start, gain a new perspective in a place they have no idea where to start. So we're walking with them to, to, to the court. We're going to doctor's appointments with them. We're helping them apply for jobs, get an apartment. We started a, a, a kids program. We're now teaching 15 Ukrainian kids every week German. And parallel to that, we've started opening hours, a time where people can co-work, hang out, anyone can come. But guess what? Since the teaching German is happening parallel, all the Ukrainian parents are coming and they're hanging out in our center. And we're just building relationships with them and, and getting to know them. This is another picture of our afternoon creative kids camp. This is our opening hours. And this is where people just come and hang out. We've got people like Fatima coming. Imagine, I would probably never step foot in a mosque. Why would I? It's foreign to me. It's not my faith. I don't know what goes on there. Could even go as far as a Catholic church. I probably wouldn't go. I do because Germany is, is you know, very Catholic, so there's lots of opportunities. But I would never on my own just go to a Catholic church. I don't know the sitting up, standing, the, the liturgy. I just feel totally uncomfortable. So imagine why would a Muslim ever come to a church service because they just don't even, but they will come to a place like this that's set up like a coffee shop, set up like a living room. The sad part about her story is she actually came from Gaza, another war-torn place that she fled from a few years ago. Where did she flee to? Ukraine. What happened a year later? She had to flee again with her kids. She ended up in Darmstadt in a refugee camp that opened after we opened the center 100 yards down the road. 600 refugees. Turns out the lead social worker of this camp was the former intern of my social worker. How does God work? She's an atheist, 
And she's married to a Muslim, but she's fascinated by our work. So she opens the door to this camp and 600 refugees. They brought 40 refugees to our community picnic two weeks ago. Why? I don't know. But they're coming. And people like Fatima are hanging out with us and we're getting to love on her and share the love of Jesus. This is another young woman that came the last few weeks. She's deaf. She can't talk. She can't hear. We didn't really know how to communicate, so she told us that she's passionate about drawing. Henna is the name. It's a type of art. And see, she started drawing henna on girls in our community. And she's been coming because she said she feels loved and accepted. And the highlight of my week, because I just got this two days ago, this is my brother Ahmed. Ahmed is from Iraq, from a very conservative Muslim background. A year ago we started because we had an Arabic community start forming. We had 30 to 40 former Muslims come to faith, all Arabic speaking. We started an Arabic gathering where I preach in German. It's translated in Arabic. That's where I met Ahmed. He came to faith in Jesus through that. He started being bullied in the camp from very conservative Muslims. And let me just say here, it's not all Muslims that are like that. It's a small group of conservative guys that just made his life hell. And so we are able to help him get an apartment. We just helped him apply for a job because this German has been coming along. And two days ago, he sent us this picture. He said, today's my first day at this hospital. What a story of life transformation. Reorienting the direction of someone's life. Not just praying a prayer, which is essential, but helping them beyond that, discipling them to become citizens, contributors to a new world that God is making and restoring around us. Wow, my time is great. I've got four and a half minutes left. And I just want to end because my hope, as I said at the beginning, that you're encouraged and challenged, not just by what's happening in Germany, but I, but I want to turn this thing around and ask you, how does this may open your mind or start your thoughts to turn with what could it look like right here in Napoleon? To be the church on mission. Remember my question at the beginning. Is it just about a nice gathering on Sunday morning? Yes, that has a place and that's important and we come together to celebrate. But we should come together to celebrate what God has done all week in order to then be sent out to do it again. And let me just remind you, it's not just a few that are called to go somewhere and to be pastors and missionaries. When Jesus sent go, when Jesus said, I have called you out to be sent, to do the stuff that I have done, that's not just for a few people, guys. That's for every single person that's sitting in this room. That's for every single person that has said, I am following Jesus. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are. It doesn't matter how much you would say you're equipped or you have experience or whatever. The 12 guys God used were absolute the bottom of the society they were the they they had no experience after three years with jesus in person they still didn't get it so why are we so hard on ourselves to feel like we have to get it it's not about getting it it's about making ourselves available for god to work through us and to be his hands and feet wherever he is sending us and i'm sure if you start brainstorming there are places in this community where people are lonely, where people are unfree, 
where people just practically don't know how to pay their bills tomorrow, where single moms and single dads are wondering how to raise their kids. And I am so convinced that God wants to use you to be a part of restoring this community. And then, believe me, it will trickle out from there. So maybe ask yourself, where is God sending you this week? One quote that has made it very practical and, and tangible for me in the past has been, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You know, I'm often overwhelmed with thousands of refugees. I want to change all their lives, but I can't. But guess what? I can, I can, ch I can change one. I can meet with one. I can pray for one. I can give my money to one. Where's God sending you and who is the one perhaps this very next week that God has laid on your heart to go talk to, to go pray for, to think of? And I'm convinced that God wants to restore this community through you. So be encouraged, be challenged, and know that God is just starting. Whatever you guys are doing already, and I've heard a few things, it's incredible, but let me tell you, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning, and you're invited to the greatest adventure that you could ever imagine. Let me say a prayer for us, and then invite Pastor Ben to come up. Jesus, I thank you that following you is not just a program, that following you is not just about saying a simple prayer, that following you is not just step one, two, three. Following you is actually being with you, becoming more like you, and doing what you did. And it's actually the greatest adventure that we could ever experience here on earth. And it's not just about going somewhere someday. You have made clear that the kingdom of God is at hand here and now today. And that you want to use your church. You want to, to use the people that are following you here and now. To be the embodiment of what it means to experience the fullness, the life abundant you have promised. So help us personally to experience that, to live into that, to open our minds to how you may want to reorient our daily lives. And then help us to be vessels and be available, even in, 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 in leaving our comfort zones, to be the hands on feet, to be the embodiment of the kingdom of God right here in Napoleon, wherever you have us, Jesus. Empower us by your spirit, strengthen us and challenge us and help us to go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks, Pastor. I can I show our appreciation. The Church of the Nazarene has three core values, to be a Christian people, a holiness people, and a missional people. And right now as we speak, we have a team of, of 26 in the Dominican Republic that we're praying over this week, right? They arrived yesterday. Um, but Pastor Eric reminds us that... Uh, that we can also support missions in other ways through, through praying for, for him and, and his team. Um, one of the things he didn't share is that he's self-funded and that uh, this trip, you know, to continue in that work, um, his, his hope was uh, 40, uh, 40 new partners at $50 a month even just to, just to help sustain that ministry and to continue to grow that. And I think if you were... Um, touched or moved by the Holy Spirit today, and if you are um, 
just have that, that sense of um, wanting to continue and partner with, with Eric, I would encourage you, reach out to him before you leave today. Uh, let's see, we still have it up here. There's some information on, on how, to, how to partner uh, with Church in Action and, and to support Eric. Uh, if you would like to um, leave, some, um, leave a gift on the offering boxes on your way out, as well as if you give online, and the, there's a, there's a drop-down, it's a special designation. And this week, that's going towards uh, Pastor Eric. And so if that's something that, that one way that you'd like to give. But uh, I pray that today, um, you know, he shared the, just the idea of the priesthood of all believers. What it means to, to say yes to Jesus is not just coming in here, but it's, it's going out, it's being sent. And, and that calls on all of us. If you have the seal of the Holy Spirit and Christ as Lord in your life, then that's on you. And would you join with our staff, with our board, as we just ask difficult questions and pray into, Lord, what do you want to do in the community beyond our walls? What does, what does this next season in the life of the church look like? How do we um, not only meet physical needs, but more, more, more deeply spiritual needs, the heart's desire? Um, here in Napoleon. And so uh, just let's be in, in prayer. Let's be a people who, who pray into that, who seek the Lord in that. Um, can, we just, can we just appreciate him one more time? Then I want to pray. Thank you, Pastor Eric, for the work that you do for the kingdom and the light that you show in Germany. So, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this day uh, as we come together in worship. As we leave, Lord, I pray that we would be leave, uh, that we would leave as a sent people, um, commissioned for the work. That when we walk outside those doors, that we would be in the mission field. And Lord, in every interaction and in every conversation that we have this week, Lord, I pray it would be God honoring to you. I pray that it would it would reflect the nature of Christ. The words we choose to use, our posture, our demeanor would reflect the posture of Christ, would reflect the words that Christ would, would use. Lord, because we are your hands and feet, whether it's here in Napoleon or around the world. And so be with our team this week. Be with Eric and, and, and Church in Action and his ministry, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great, great Sunday. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.